Welcome to the first episode of Air It Out, a show where we amplify the voices of student-athletes in a male-centered and student-led space. This is a platform on Air It Out where we can air out our thoughts and our opinions on specific topics, and this is mainly related to masculinity. We're your hosts. My name is Jerry Reeves. And I'm Courtney Copeland. But to introduce the real stars of our show, we have amazing college athletes from various schools sharing their time with us. We have Dominic Johnson, Dante Haynes, Rich Miller, and Marcus Fuqua. All right, so I want to give our trigger warning. So we are often told not to talk about uh, race or politics in open settings. Today we're doing both of those. And we never really know who's watching, so we just want to give a heads up to our audiences and let them know that today's episode will be talking about shared experiences of race and racial injustice. And so we just want to give that warning so that everybody can prepare and we don't want to um, jump into things without giving the heads up that that's going on because that could possibly raise like unprocessed feelings um, within people. So we want to let you know if that's going on before we get started. So research has shown that black and brown student athletes often have the added pressures placed upon them of having to not just perform, but they have other things that influence their day-to-day -day lives. And so they might feel, feel more things of isolation, separation from other teammates, um, as of course, and then we also have the larger issues of racism and discrimination. Those things do exist on college campuses. There's also the unfortunate negative stereotype uh, for black males that are in sport, that they are just dumb athletes or that they are not as intellectually inclined as their white counterparts. Unfortunately, what happens with that sometimes though, is that people start to internalize those feelings. And so I've seen very dominant, very commanding, very confident players go inside of classrooms and shrink themselves, become smaller and really represent that stereotype. And so I wanted to ask, what stereotypes do you um, have any experience with being a black athlete in sport? And also what type things do you do to kind of counteract those stereotypes, like fight against them? Um, well, I can, I can go all the way back to when I was in high school. Um, I went to a public high school, and you know, public high schools compared to these private high schools, they think you don't get the same education. And I really prided myself and thanks to my parents we, they instilled in me a work ethic that makes me go harder in the classroom than I do on the football field. It, um, I mean, it makes me feel better because I love to prove people wrong in such a way. In such a way. Uh, I think in the classroom, especially in college, I do the same thing because I'm actually around more white people and I feel like I'm being judged more so. I think I go hard in the classroom to counteract those stereotypes. And so you're kind of aware that those exist. So you are just dead set on proving everybody wrong. Yeah. And so making sure that you are not the thing that you assume that they might be thinking. For sure. I said I agree with that. I mean, like, I feel like there's definitely, I mean, coming into, I mean, just, I mean, all throughout school, but especially, you know, coming into college, I was an engineering major. And it's just, there is that stereotype, you know, you walk into a lecture hall of 400 people and there's five black kids there and that's in total. So it's like, you know, I learned very early on that like, you know, obviously, you know, those stereotypes are gonna be there. And, you know, when I'm putting like random groups and things like that, people are gonna assume that, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing and things like that. So, you know, personally, I kind of agree. I, I feel like it's more so, like a challenge almost in a way where it's like, you know, I got to step up to the plate and basically set that standard that, you know, that just because I'm just some, you know, um, you know, minority student athlete, you know, that you think I'm just here for, you know, athletics, like I'm also here to, you know, exceed in the classroom as well as on, you know, personally for me, the track. But, yeah. I love it. Black excellence. I think that's the theme of today's episode mm -hmm. is black excellence. But if I can, if I can interject, you both talked about the competition aspect of it, how your natural born competitor that makes you compete in the classroom. Mm -hmm. When when that competition is gone, when you're done playing, where is your drive? Where does your drive lie? Also, yes, you are you might be competing for a job. You 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 get the degree. It's like I got it. Where's that next? I got it more more. What is more for you? when football track is gone, you know, and you gotta move on to something, you're in the same situation, but you don't have the same drive that you used to have maybe. I, I think that the reason why 
athletes are very competitive and the way that's going to help us move and be successful in life is because we are used to that competitive atmosphere and a lot of people that aren't athletes don't get to experience that um, and just maybe not understand it and um, I think when you have that mindset like you want to be the best you can carry on to that into life and uh, I think all of us athletes we know that we're going to come to a time where we're not going to be an athlete anymore and like you said you have to take that with you in, in, into life and take it into all aspects so that's what I think about that. I feel like the com the competitor inside of me is like when that when football is gone, I'm gonna compete with myself. You know I, mean? I I compete with myself every day to try to be better than I was yesterday. So I feel like once you take the game away, I'm just gonna compete with myself. I'm gonna keep doing what I do. I also think um, just playing football my whole life it, it it teach you how to handle adversity, and I feel like that is adversity right there. It came to an end. Now what? Now what you gonna do to bounce back? I think that is, I think football has given me a, is leading me in a direction to be able to face that in a more positive way. For sure. And so how do you feel like, you guys have talked about it a little bit about how you kind of navigate through sport and you look at, you kind of like said that, well, this is how it is and this is how I view it right now. And then I'm going to apply those principles once sport is, if sport is done and but when that happens, this is how I'm gonna look at things. How do you feel like you uh, make your decisions on navigating through sport? And do you feel like being a black man has influenced how you navigate through sport or the decisions that you make in sports? Um, do you think that that has, that being a black man has any influence on that? I would say to some degree. I mean, like, I feel like, you know, you see it in all the time with professional athletes, you know, that are very expressive and things like that. And they're, you know, quoted as like locker room cancers, as well as just kind of, you know, like bad people to have around on your team like that. So I would say, you know, seeing that in the professional world and like, I mean, personally, like, I mean, in collegiate, I see that too, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you see the, the athlete that sits and, you know, scores a touchdown and then you know, throws his arms up, celebrates. It's like, oh, you know, he's doing too much. And I feel like as a black male, it's kind of like there's an extra out there because it's like, oh, you know, I feel like we're kind of thought to be like, you know, we're, we have to act like an extra, you know, we have to act better than I guess I like our white counterparts, you know, just to kind of not get that, you know, thrown into that kind of standard where we're, you know, like a locker room cancer or, you know, we're not like good teammates or anything like that. So I would say, you know, there is definitely times where like I sit and what I'm like, you know, in a meet or things like that, there's certain things that I won't do to kind of like make sure that I'm not kind of seen as that, you know, cancer to like the locker room. Mm -hmm. And so like that touches on a little bit what we were just talking about, about counteracting some of those stereotypes. Mm -hmm. One thing, the first thing that came to my mind was like, sometimes as a black man, you feel like you have a chip on your shoulder with certain things. And you feel like there's a lot of judgments from society on you. And there's a lot of different movements and it's being talked about more now. But I think that when you have a chip on your shoulder and you bring that to sport, I think you're naturally just gonna be working a little bit harder. You're gonna have you're gonna be more of a competitor and you're gonna just know that you wanna have higher goals because of the chip on your shoulder, you know? Um, when somebody, let's say, would come from an already successful family or somebody doesn't have those same judgments or those same stereotypes, I feel like we all know that that person is just naturally not gonna work as hard as somebody who has that chip on their shoulder. So that's how I feel about that. I think it helped me move in a way, like I said earlier, to just prove people wrong. Like, I mean, not just prove people wrong, but also prove myself right. Like, like Dom said, is there like we we kind of have that stereotype on us, and well, everyone knows that we're not looked at to fail. But it's like we're not born in the same situation as most others. Even, even like black females, they're. They're even below us in society. Like, we, I just feel like I, it makes me live a way to prove myself right and people wrong. That's a great. That's a great mindset to have. It's crazy because 
you would think that it comes natural for you to have that mindset. But like, there's, we see a lot of black males, black females, just accept the fact that I'm disadvantaged. You know, I, I'm okay. just not, I'm not gonna, I'll never get to where I wanna get to because, you know, odds are just stacked against me. And I think just being being a African-American male athlete, whatever the case may be, that drive is important. And that's that's why we're here in this conversation, because it's like we you can describe it and you can we can all talk about it. But we're here so that everybody can hear like, yeah. like this is real. It's not we're not just we're not just talking about how we're, you know, woe is me because I, I, you know, this kid got this over me. I'm not. I'm not gonna make it. That, I think that's an important mindset to share. And you know, obviously going into the rest of the episode, um, that that is really the theme. You know, that's really that's really why we're here. You know, share those steps to having that that competitor inside of you. Yeah, I think you made a good point when you said like we all probably know a lot that that just accept the fact that oh the odds are against me. I'm I'm gonna just stay here. I think we're in a good position, a great position actually to change that narrative, like to be able to show people and tell people that there is a way. And, sure. you know, it's, it's always a way. And along with that, like even focusing on like the unique identities that y'all have to balance between. Um, there have been lots of research that has actually shown that for many that being a black student athlete can almost have adverse um, affects on their well-being. And so I wanted to know, like, just from y'all's perspective, do y'all feel like the athletic department does a good job of supporting you as black student athletes specifically? Specifically, no. But I mean, we all got different mindsets. Like my mindset is like, we're all human and they kind of, I feel like they treat us fair. So I, mean, I can't complain. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not gonna, I, you know, I can, I feel like we get like a lot of support, you know, through like obviously with our, you know, personally financial aid, like, you know, all the things that you got, you know, we get like, you know, a lot of things, APS and things like that. So I feel like overall, um, just like for every student athlete, I feel like we do get a decent amount of support from the university, but like, I don't know if there's really anything like specific for like minority student athletes where it's like, you know, this is specifically, you know, directed to kind of, you know, help you guys, you know, deal with the challenges that you guys are facing, you know, outside of the sport. Like I said, there's definitely like, I would, I would not say that like, there's definitely not a decent amount of support with things that, you know, are with your day to day. It's just like, like I said, I don't think there's anything really obviously centered towards, you know, that experience as a minority student athlete. My question to everybody would be, what do you consider support? Are we considering support, gear, and EPS, tutoring, patches on helmets, external things? Are we considering support external things? Or are we considering support like literal conversations? Like, how can I help you? You know, like, sometimes I think about like, and I'm not taking shots at anybody in the administration or any coaches or anything, but I think we have to talk about it in the conversation. Yeah, definitely, like, definitely. How close are the people that are running the show and people that are me, the, the head people of the business, how close are they with the athletes, the ones that are really, you know, like putting on for the university, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes I think about like how good are the relationships? You know, there might be a couple of good relationships mm -hmm. and people that reach out to one another, but I feel like when it comes to support, there needs to be more emotional support and, and deeper connections, deeper relationships. And I think that's when student athletes will start feeling appreciated, no matter the race, no yeah. matter the race, yeah, no you know problem. what I'm saying? So that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree. I feel like those interactions are super important. Like, I feel like we don't interact enough with, like you said, the head people like at this university at all. I feel like we don't get enough interaction with them. Like you said, not just black student athletes, but student athletes in general. I feel like they don't really even kind of appreciate us. Like, I mean, in certain ways, like, I don't feel like we're entitled to anything, but I just feel like we don't get enough support, period. Yeah. And I like, you read my mind because 
people think automatically you talk about support and NCAA, you talk about they want money. You know what I mean? They they need money. You know, people say like, I don't, you know, I don't have enough money to get a meal and like things like that. They say, well, we get the, if we give them some finances, they'll be okay. But with that in mind, like the real support is like those real conversations. And it made me think back to when I was playing and I'm like, did anybody sit me down when I was a freshman and was like, maybe I should transfer because things aren't going my way. Did anybody sit me down and specifically, maybe somebody that looked like me, sit me down and like bring me back down to earth as an 18 year old struggling with like, if I should be here, here or not, or just thinking of people making mistakes in practice. Like you ran the wrong route three times, you blah, blah, blah. Is he running the wrong route so many times because he forgot the playbook or is his mind clouded with so much going on all outside of the field? We're all talented. We all, you know, we wouldn't be in college playing if we couldn't comprehend, you know, play, but, you know, people have their challenges, but um, we wouldn't be here if we couldn't to some degree comprehend the plays or whatever the case may be. But it's, I feel like there's a lot, there's some digging that needs to take place from administration and coaches in times of need where, you know, you have a student who just, you know, they can't get right, but what's the real reason? You know what I mean? It's not that they don't want to be here. Sometimes it is. It's not that, you know, school is tough, but like, what is that deep root? Maybe, maybe it's a black male just feeling the pressure of society on them. Like, you know, somebody could have said something crazy to them in a lecture hall or something, or they could have, you could have been in your engineering class, one of the few black people and just felt, felt a little weird that day. So it affects you at practice. You know what I mean? So I think it's important. Like support is not finances necessarily all the time. It's not gear, you know, the helmet stickers. It's part of it, but I feel like there's much more to be done for sure. And I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was just, just going to say, on top of that, like, one thing, the first thing that comes to my mind is a quote is like, people are, not, like, when you think of other people, you're not going to remember, like, what they did for you, you're going to remember how they made you feel. And, like, yeah, no, that's okay. ultimately the most important. Like, when you look back at college, you're not going to remember, oh, yeah, in 2014, they gave us an extra, uh, sure. an extra rack because <laughs> we needed some food that summer or something. You know, you're not going to remember, like, during the COVID when we were in lockdown, you're not gonna remember like, oh yeah, they made sure you had some meals. It was like, oh yeah, these people actually reached out to me and talked to me because I was in quarantine in Goodyear, or these people actually went out of their way to do something for me. You know, like that's the stuff you're gonna remember, the relationships, you know? But, sure. Yeah. I mean, I know COVID kind of um, like, it messed up everything, but like you've been here for a minute. Do you remember like any alumni coming back a lot and just interact with y'all? I feel like, I feel like since I've been here since 2019, not a lot of alumni came back, and I feel like that's partly because of the interactions that they never had with the university. Alumni as in like guys from the football team? Yeah, just for yeah. us, yeah. I, I, I think I agree with that. I think I agree with that. Um, I, I'm just gonna say I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say I agree with that. Like, what about you, Dante? Like, what about track? I would say, I mean, there's definitely, you know, some people that, um, come back and not I wouldn't say not really I mean like most of the time people leave they don't really come back um there's a couple of people that have you know come back but I don't really know if it was really to help the team as much as it was to continue to train and help themselves mm -hmm. so and I mean there's nothing wrong with that it's yeah. just I mean I get I get that it's just like yeah there's definitely like I mean I can't really like there are definitely you know, a few, but there's not really many relationships like that where people are really like coming back to, you know, like talk to you and things like that. I'm so happy the way that this conversation is going because really and honestly, this is why we started this show. This is why we wanted to do this. We want to not, and I made it a point not to say give voice to, because we're not giving voices to any of you. You are all of each and every one of you and even the audiences already have voice. We're just amplifying those voices. We feel that there is a, a, almost a disconnect. Um, there are teams and people that are planning things for you and there isn't always the level of input or they might not know what it is that you might feel that you really need. Like the question that you asked, like how do we find define to support? What does that look like? And I feel that until everyone can hear what y'all feel, they're not gonna know. 
And so I'm really glad that each and every one of you are able to share and what it is that you feel, what you feel like your experiences have been here, because that is the only way that we can continue to grow. And a lot of the same things that I'm hearing in it going back and forth is connections. Like the quote that you said of, you remember how people made you feel. That's what sticks with you and that's what lasts the longest. That's how we get alumni support. They, people need to feel valued and respected while they're here. They need to feel like they are important, that they are important not just as an athlete, but as, as an individual, that they care about your actual development. And so what other ways do you feel like those connections can be built? Would y'all like to have more opportunities to just chop it up with like-minded or different-minded students, other, uh, other athletes, to kind of see what those things that what support could look like for y'all? I feel like it, it can't be forced. Mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like it just has to be natural. Like, it, I mean, that's as simple as I can put it. I feel like it just has to be natural. Like you can't force that. You can't, you don't have to set up meetings and whatever. It just, I just feel like it, it can't be, it just has to be natural. It has to be natural interactions. Yeah, I feel like not necessarily with athletes, but with coaches, it just gotta be an effort. I feel like all the ones, no shots, nothing. <laughs> all the connections I have is like when I reach out. And I'm not like the biggest talker, you, I guess I'd say. But uh, it's like the only connections I really have is when I reach out. Why am I? Why do people never reach out to me, the coaches? Yeah. I agree. I mean, I definitely feel like there are definitely some people like, um, I mean like staff and things like that, that I've definitely been able to develop like some real good like support with and they've definitely like supported me and just kind of like made sure like I was good. But that's kind of, I mean, that definitely is kind of few and far in between. Like, I'm not going to say there hasn't been any, but um, yeah. there definitely is kind of that gap in some regards with some of the coaches where I just feel like, you know, they don't know anything I got going on. And at the end of the day, like I'm literally just a body to them and like, if I'm not, you know, doing what I have to do, I'm not, I'm not even an afterthought. And honestly, it does kind of feel that way. And I don't know if it feels like that way for football, but I definitely feel like sometimes, you know, like, you know, personally, I've had like some like injuries coming into college and things like that. Obviously, I haven't been the best at where like I should be. But I do feel like sometimes, yeah, I'm just kind of like forgotten a little bit. And it's just like, well, you know, he's not he's not performing for us. So, you know, we're just not going to really like, you know, think that much of him. So, yeah. I think that um, when things become a business, it changes a lot. Um, and this is a business, if you think about it. Uh, the way we perform dictates how the coaches can feed their families, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. And that dictates how the administrators can feed their families. And, the university and everything kind of is like a business. Mm -hmm. And we understand that everybody has jobs, whether the ranking is here, 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 everybody has jobs. Our jobs as athletes are to perform. And we want to perform so we can help the team win and so we can win championships. And ultimately if we have bigger goals and stuff like mm -hmm. that. I think that the part that we need to realize is when we have deeper connections and deeper relationships, that's gonna help everybody's job. Mm -hmm. Like gonna that's gonna easier. help everything. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. the coaches have a deeper relationship with us, they can understand us, then they can coach us better. Yeah. And we can actually trust the coaches, you know what I'm saying? And then Play we're better. like, okay, I wanna go out there and yeah. play, you know what I'm saying? And then that, that's our job. And the administration has a better relationship with the coaches. It's just gonna make their relationship. I'm not a AD, I'm not a coach, yeah. so I can't speak on that right now, <laughs> but I know I can speak from this perspective, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I think that when you just kind of open your mind up, okay, like, yeah, I'm feeling this way, I'm feeling this way. But then you gotta think about like the bigger picture, like, okay, like this is a business, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we're not the only university in the US that has Division One athletics and has, like, I guarantee you there's athletes across the country that feel the same way we're feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of just like, how can we make this better, you know? Mm -hmm. Specifically when you guys are talking about with other athletes, because it's not just within our own teams that we can improve relationships. Mm -hmm. If we want to turn this into like a family culture at this university or other universities could take that same type of family atmosphere, it has to be natural, like like you said, where it's like, if you want to set up a Zoom meeting, hey guys, it's mandatory that you're here and here and here, and you know, you're not really going to want to do that, you know what I'm saying? And yes, we understand <laughs> like COVID kind of messing things up. <laughs> But, and we can't really have that same interaction, but I think what it did was 
made us realize the importance of that interaction, the yeah. importance of those conversations, the importance of being in person with somebody, you know? And um, I don't know, I'm really hoping, you know, I don't get too much into it, get back to normal, <laughs> we can start getting around each other yeah. more, but it's really important to have that interaction, you know? Okay, so I have a question. Um, you were saying that you feel that, yes, we understand that it's a business. Any quality leader knows that relationships are important. They know that the better relationship that I have with, um, even if we're using the analogy of employees, the better that they will perform, the more that they will actually want to produce for me. And so for you guys, if it's the, the, the staff, the coaches, whoever it may be, the better that the relationship that they have, you will run through a brick wall for somebody that you care about. Okay. You will knock on a wall for somebody that you don't really feel it. So, <laughs> uh, with, with creating a culture of of just more support of the family culture that y'all were talking about, do y'all feel like that is something that can start from players and go up, or do you feel that it is something that has to come from the top down? Can y'all be as players start the change and it go up? Let me um, let me, let me uh, jump in real quick, and I know I'm not playing right now, but. Real quick, it made me think like my quick two cents before I even hear anybody else's answer has to be top down. Like, yeah, and it, yeah, it does not seem down. like it's easy to like sit and complain and then say, you need to change before I change. Yeah. But that's not like, that's not where I'm coming from. I'm coming from the perspective of wh whoever you are, you're gonna be here for four, maybe five years. Yeah. COVID, people got <laughs> unlimited eligibility at this point. So you might, you, you might have to attend these. Yeah, that's how attractive it is. We got people here, you're seven year eight. Yeah, seriously. But they the are point, doctor. Right, right. Four by four relay. Yeah. But the point is like, your time here is limited. So once you're gone, like a new group of players are that coming in. So the top, like they're usually there for an extended period of time, you know, if, especially if things are going well. But I'm gonna leave it at that. But just my quick two cents before y'all who are competing right now, go ahead. <laughs> I literally feel the exact same way. I feel like a new set of student athletes come in every single year. So the coaches have to instill that into them immediately when they come in. Like even before they come in, during the recruiting process, it has to be instilled that this is a family and we treat each other like family. We all care about each other. Like we just don't care about just the paychecks. We care about each other. I feel like yeah, it definitely has to be top down. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, obviously the people that, you know, make the big decisions are going to be the people that I feel like are important to kind of develop those relationships with. Because I feel like, you know, those people are the ones that make decisions on how things go. So like if they're, if, you know, if we're having that constant communication and like, you know, they are really understanding how we're feeling. I feel like that obviously puts them in a better position to make better decisions for our student body as a whole. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, so I would, I'd agree. I think it's it's got to be from top to bottom. But another thing too, I feel like I don't feel like we bashing people at the top, but like no, they they do they do have to deal with a whole lot of people. Like mm -hmm. it's it's so many of us, and I get that, but I feel like it has to start somewhere. No, one hundred percent. I don't think it's like I'm not gonna sit here and like say like oh my gosh, everyone's like bad and terrible and yeah. like that. Like that's obviously not the yeah. case. Like. Like we wouldn't like even be here if that if that was so you know, but you know there there's always room for improvement. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the target's always moving. So like we we can still say like you know we're we're doing things right, but obviously understand that there's still need for progression. And so with that being said, what are do y'all feel like? What are some of the things that is being that are being done right? What are some things that are going well that you would like to see more of that you think that would help support or? create that community, that sense of community that is lacking in some areas? Just, I can say one thing, just like based off our new locker room, I did notice that if you go in our locker room, most of the lockers are set up. You're not really by your position group too much, but you you kind of in the same area, but then it goes like black person, like white person, like black person, white. And I, I realized that, and I was talking, I forgot which one of my teammates were talking about. We realized at the same time, like, wow, they kind of set this up like this. And I'm next to two people I never really talked to before. So I feel like that that definitely kind of helps a little bit. I get to talk to them, see them every day. Mm -hmm. I think that we're starting to have more conversations. I think that's something that we're doing right. I think that we still need to have more and we need to view it as more of a priority. 
um, and not think that we are at the top yet or that we have made it to a certain point. Um, because as athletes, we know we always want to keep getting better and we want things mm -hmm. to keep getting better. Not just selfishly, but like in terms yeah. of like, you know, a better environment, a better country. So I think that conversations is something that we've been doing more and that is helping. Mm -hmm. I would say like one of the biggest things is, you know, obviously just with communication, it's not the big things. It's not the big, you know, Zoom meetings where they say, oh, like mental health or awareness week. Like those definitely help. Obviously those are there and, you know, we have those conversations, but it's like the little things. It's like when you receive a text message, oh, how are you doing this week? Yeah. And things like that. And like, I've definitely had, you know, I've definitely, I've had staff that have done that and they've reached out and they emailed me and they've like checked in and like. Like I said, I've had people reach out like, oh, Dante, just make sure, you know, you get this done. Like this date is coming up and things like that. And then like, I forget and they email me again. They're like, listen, Dante, I need you to submit this form because we get fast was coming up and just things like that. Like that stuff is like, I think like it's those little things, but it makes huge impacts on just like my day when someone just reaches out and there's like, how are you doing today? And just things like that, where I, that's where I'm saying where it's like, I'm not just a body at that point mm -hmm. and like, you know, I feel like valued where it's, I am, you know, more than just an athlete for the school. Yeah, I agree with that. I, um, I'm not name dropping anything, but like some of the academic staff here, mm -hmm. like I probably haven't closely interacted with them since my freshman year of summer. And every time I see them like in the hallway or something, they definitely, they smile and, hey, Rich, how you doing? Sit there, try to have a small conversation. Like it's just a little things. And I think that really makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Marcus, what say you? What if, what's being done I feel, right? I feel like, oh, what's being done right? I piggyback off what you said, I feel like if COVID wouldn't have happened, I feel like it, none of this would have really changed. I feel like we would have really, because COVID made everybody really, what's the word I want to say? Reflective. Yeah, like it made you realize <laughs> that how important conversations really are. You never really mm -hmm. know how someone is feeling without these conversations. Yeah. And I feel like that got real big, like March, April, 2020. And I feel like that's when everything started getting better within, like with the how the coaches deal with us. Not deal with us, but you know. <laughs> we want to bring in our special guest to this episode of Air It Out. Um, I've been Addie's boss for about 10 months now. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But <laughs> we want to bring in a special guest today. Um, Addie Bola, she's on the women's basketball team. She's also on the SAC eboard, operating as a spirit officer. Um, she's done an excellent job, but we believe that she'll be very valuable to this conversation. Um, Addie. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Welcome, girl. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so across all NCAA divisions, men's and women's sports, 60% of black student athletes will feel comfortable taking a public stance on a social issue. 66% said that their teammates would support them taking a stance, but only 56 thought that their athletic department would support them. So with all of those numbers kind of in mind, um, what has been y'all experience and how do you feel that social issues impact your relationships with your team members, if at all? Does it like make it weird in the locker room or not? Nah? I think it definitely would make it weird in the locker room. I mean, just to a certain extent. Um, it could go either way. It's going to be some of your teammates who disagree and it's going to be some that agree. So it go either way. I agree because like over the summer and like coming in with everything that happened with the social injustice and like our team had a conversation and me personally like I voiced this out to our athletic department I voiced out to my team is like people of um, our allies so which is like people like white people not saying anything to me says something so like and I told my teammates like if you're not saying anything and you're saying that you're using the time to gather well, it's like, to me, it's like, this is just plain wrong. So why are you not saying anything? And that's how I had to voice it to me because it felt like I'm your teammate and you don't have my back. And it felt like our athletic department really didn't have our back just because like they didn't really make a stance at a certain point, but then they did Zoom calls and like our, me and my teammates, we like talked about it as a team and things like that. But just, I feel like it does have a really big impact because at the back of the, in the back of your mind, regardless, you're thinking like, so like, how do you really feel about me? Because when the opportunity ha comes to actually say something and you don't, it's like, oh, so that's really how you felt. 
That's how I felt about the whole situation and everything. Silence can sometimes speak louder than words. So it is, it feels very hard to feel supported and operate as a team when there, it shouldn't take you that long together. Like, what is it that you have to formulate if you know that this in, in your heart is wrong? Yes. You guys think that some pe that people are scared to get judged by other people? Let's say, I'm just gonna make an example. Some, let's say some of your white teammates, they're scared to speak out and they grew up in a situation, predominantly white area, and maybe around some people that were older that had certain beliefs. Mm -hmm. Do you think that judgment plays a key role into some of those feelings about speaking up on certain things? I would well, say so. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. I, I would say judgment definitely plays a part, but I think it plays a part in kind of like why the reason why I feel like some people feel like they're gonna get judged is because they have the wrong opinion. And I feel like they're like with a lot of like the social issues that we see, I feel like there's always the people that are trying to play the devil's advocate. And honestly, I'm just not really here for it. Like, I don't really like, I don't think there is a devil's advocate. Like, I do think there is like hearing like all <laughs> of the facts of the story. And there definitely are gonna be times when people like lie about like what exactly happened. But at the end of the day, like if someone's like, you know, if someone's life is taken, there's just, you know, there, it's it's just someone's life shouldn't have been taken, regardless of, you know, whatever happens, like, like their life just shouldn't have been taken. So like you not saying anything isn't you being, oh, you know, you're just taking time. It's, you no, know, you honestly, you probably just have the wrong mindset and you need to like correct it. So that's kind of what I think. I think that fear comes in from just honestly, just like, I don't understand where anyone could sit there and just think that like there's there's a devil's advocate to be played in that situation mm. oh. mm -hmm. and marcus described <laughs> himself earlier that he's not a big talker and so for those individuals who might feel like oh i don't want to be judged and there is room for that but if you don't want to be judged how do you grow if you don't share and there's very there's a very distinct difference between I might not want to speak out in front of everybody because that's just not who I am. And me coming to somebody who I know personally that might be impacted by this and saying, like, I didn't, I've never had this experience. Can we sit down? Can we chop it up? Can we have that conversation? That will go a whole lot further than just somebody not saying anything. And so it, when that happens in the locker room, does it kind of put a wall up between you and that teammate? Do you feel like you might can't trust that person in the same way that you would if they were able to just express one that they may not know, that they might have had these beliefs before, but they are seeing that that's wrong? Like, how does that change your interaction and your trust level with that teammate? <laughs> I would say that um, I think it kind of depends on like how they react to the situation. Like, yeah, you can like, I know there's not, you know, I know personally, like there are some people that are not very talkative about it, but if you're like your openness and like willingness to like understand, if you're like that, then um, I mean like definitely, I'll feel a lot better than if you just like, you know, you just are quiet about it. But like, like I said, like, I feel like some people are quiet about it because they have the wrong mindset about the situation. So I feel like those people, you know, they're not going to want to have the conversation because they're going to be seen as wrong and as they rightfully should. Because I mean, like, like I said, there are just some people that have like some, I'm sorry, wrong beliefs. Like it's like a human justice issue. It's like, it's not really so, but I mean, for the people that just aren't very talkative, I don't like necessarily like see like a gap there. I just kind of see like, I mean, I understand not everyone's going to, you know, sit there and be like, you know, grab a pitchfork and be like, this is like what we need to do. And I get that. Like, I'm not asking everyone to like do that either. You know, I don't think, I mean, you know, I don't need everyone to just, you know, do a bunch of things and things like that. And I also think that there is, you know, that isn't talked about enough. There's like fake activism where people like post a bunch of things like that, but are they really actually about that? Or are they just posting it to like, just kind of like, you know, fit the narrative that they're like a, you know, quote unquote ally. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, honestly, I would take someone not saying anything over someone lying and putting like some fake thing that they'd actually don't support on their story. Mm -hmm. but. I agree with that. I think that's, that's really important. I think that 
it's kind of the trend right now mm -hmm. to yeah. be supportive of Black Lives Matter. <clears throat> mm -hmm. and, you Performative know, allyship. Yeah, everything's about judgment. You know, when we're on social media, it's all about like whether you agree with her or not or think about it or not, everybody's judging everything like, yeah. on social media. Yeah, no you see somebody post a story, you're going to judge that story. And everybody knows that on social media. So when you post that and the majority of the people feel strongly about a certain topic, which let's say, you know, what's going on in our country right now regarding race, then they might be feel more accepted and whatnot. So I think that's a really big point that you brought up. One thing that I think about me, and I'm not trying to, one thing that I think about, I'm not trying to like make excuses for anybody, I'm trying to see as a human being, everybody's point of view, is one thing that I notice in the locker room is that there might be some tension when people start talking about certain issues like that. And let's say a white teammate hearing things that, you know, a minority teammate or a black teammate was talking about or strong words like the M word and stuff like that. I notice some uncomfortableness and I feel like sometimes it's not that they don't care or it's not that they view things as, as they don't view things as wrong. But sometimes I think like they might not want to have conversations because they don't want to create the tension. They don't want to make you feel like, like, like we are against each other. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think about that. Mm -hmm. So I'm well, not sure how y'all feel about yeah, that. Yeah, if I could add in a little bit, it just made me think like you would go into like locker rooms, you see quotes and stuff on the walls and stuff like that. And then one quote that came to mind, people say no pressure, no diamonds. Like we're gonna talk about that in the weight room, on the field, like mm -hmm. that's the same for social issues. Like mm -hmm. it's the same for what you're going through on a daily basis. Like no pressure, no diamonds. Like we're not going to produce a culture of success. And if you want to say prosperity, everybody, everybody's okay. All those things, if you cannot talk about or acknowledge like these issues. So I just feel like the same thing applies, like that same pressure that you, like if we can talk about lifting weights, like we can talk about um, technique on the field and like we're cool, let's talk about our technique having conversations with each other or how our technique dealing with certain situations, certain words and things like that. That same pressure I think has to be applied, you know, and for you guys in, in your locker room settings, don't be fearful of speaking up like one uncomfortable interaction with somebody might produce a lifelong relationship with somebody they might if they come back to you a year later and say like that conversation you had with me in the locker room when you sat me down and you explained some things to me i was very uncomfortable but now i see like that's that's where the instant gratification that you talked about on like social media we want to see the stories and all that that that's great like if you can get that at the same time that can't be your mindset to topics like this because it's not there's no microwave fix for these topics you know what i mean yeah. and there's no microwave fix as long as just as much as this isn't a new problem this is something like it might be new for some people or they might just have just now be putting their eyes on this but this is something that people have been dealing with and having to carry every single day for a very very long time and so with that, this isn't also isn't the first time that athletes have kind of took a position on a lot of these things as well. So I want to know, like, from you guys, do you feel that the role of a black athlete, as as it, as it pertains to um, athlete activism, do you feel like athlete activism for black athletes is a responsibility or a privilege? Do you feel like as a black athlete, I have to speak up about these issues, or do you feel like? I get to, I, I get the platform to bring these issues up to my two teams, to wherever I have the ability to reach. I think it's, I feel like that's like torn in between both. I feel like a party, a party was like, I really have to do this because this is what I, I have to do to make things better for our culture. And the other part is like, I get to, I'm in a position to do this. So I, I need to do it, you know what I'm saying? Like. I mean, we here for a reason. We all put in some place for a reason. If we there, we might as well open up other people's eyes about what's going on. I mean, they know what's going on, but they don't know it from, they don't know it firsthand. I feel like we get to, cause it's a lot of people, whole lot of people that can't even really voice their opinion. They don't have the, the platform. I feel like we really do, especially with 
us being athletes, you can, a lot of people look at us as role models. So it's like, they really listen to what we have to say. I agree with both of you guys. I feel like it's both actually. Like we get to, and then we have to, because it's a privilege just to, I feel like, like it's a privilege just to be where we are, just because there's not a lot of people in our position. Like me being a double minority as a black woman and as a, as a black person and as a woman, I feel like just in my position, like when I see these issues and topics, even though it makes me uncomfortable at times, I have to speak up for the other people coming up behind me. So it's easier for them to kind of pave the way, like as the way where it's kind of paved for us before, that we have to pave the way for the future people coming ahead of us. And so from all of the things that you were, you guys have been saying, like we witnessed that during summer of 2020, it appeared to be uh, the, the want to acknowledge these issues. Um, and there were a lot of small things that were being done. Do you feel that the department as a whole has kept that same energy? Are they still wanting to attend, uh, um, be tuned into these issues in the same way? Are they still, is this at the forefront or is it, okay, we did our performative allyship, we're on to the next thing now. I ain't, I ain't heard nothing about it mm -hmm. since, <laughs> since the summer. Mm -hmm. They haven't said. I wasn't gonna say a it. word. <laughs> I'll be honest. A word. Honestly, it was just kind of like let me show face and let me say that we care about our black student athletes right now because it's hot. But after that, nothing has been said. Literally, it's just like there's no meetings. Everybody wants to do zooms and talk about it once. But what are you doing after? What are you doing to keep it up? And that's what has really been a lack of there. Like there's just nothing that we're doing after to keep it up like is there meeting more meetings are we creating groups like that's why i feel like this conversation especially with black men is so important because it's keeping the conversation going it's showing that like we're not going away you are going to have to yeah. deal with us and that's something that i feel like people haven't really felt because like honestly as athletes people it's just like how people say like for basketball people shut up and dribble it's just like oh you're already blessed to receive a scholarship so you might as well just take it and just uh don't say anything else don't complain you want now you're doing too much but like this is why this conversation is so important to know the issues to know how to fix it to know how to better help people especially for our future generations I see it bubbling. <laughs> I see it bubbling. I'm trying to formulate my thoughts because it's a kind of a big picture uh, mm -hmm. thing that I have going on in my, in my head right now. When we talk about things like this, I think I always am thinking about the bigger picture. And I'm thinking about, okay, we feel that from the athletic department, but maybe why are they doing that? Why are people not speaking out? Or why are they only speaking out for a certain amount of time? <clears throat> then I think about how they have jobs and I think about how we if I had to guess the people in the country who have power are the people who have the most money oh, yeah. and nope. when the people who have the most money and the people who have the most power in the country are those black people mm -mm. okay I, I, and Do I'm asking as a chance? question I'm asking as a question I'm not saying either one I don't have the stats in front of me Do we have but I'm not I'm asking as a question: The people in the the people who are the most powerful and have the most money in the country are they are they black people? You guys can answer that for yourselves. And when it comes when it trickles down to who owns like NCA, who owns the university, who owns the, the teams, who controls the AD's jobs, who controls the coaches' jobs? Talk that talk. Think about, think about, <laughs> think about the system. Think about the culture. I guarantee you that culture with the people who have power are not the same as the athletes. They're not the same people with the Black Lives Matter. We want equal opportunities. If they were, if they viewed it that way, they wouldn't be up there. Yeah. And there's a reason why they're up there. Okay, I'm not going to get into it too much, but think about that. And then think about if you were a coach and think about if you were an AD and you knew that those are the people that are controlling your job, would you be so easy? Would it be easy for you to speak out and show what you truly believe and show you what's truly right when they have the power to take your job away. That's, they have the power to, you know, they have, a, they have the power, you know what I'm saying? That's what I was gonna say earlier, but I mean, I didn't wanna really get into it. Like, it's kind of like in the, in the direction we all are headed in, like we are, the people who control it have the money and, you know, us, us really speaking out on societal problems is like, 
it could kind of hinder our our success. You know, it's like they are they are at the top for a reason. And I mean, if they're at the top, like it's like they cannot be taken from the top. So speaking out on things like you said can it's like that, that's why some people don't speak out on it because they like okay, this can this can really ruin my career or. This is, it, it can ruin the way I feed my family. So I feel like it's, that's part of the reason why some people just don't speak out on it, period. For sure. And just like, it's crazy to me because props to Mr. Alna, you know, like he's in a tough place being an authority, but being black, you know what I mean? And like, I remember when I first got my role, at Buffalo, you know, you do your research, you know, you see like mm -hmm. kind of people you're gonna be around. I looked it up and I think it said like, I found an article that said uh, Mark Allnut, 15th African-American um, head athletic director. And I was like, how long have we been playing college sports? How long has there been athletic directors that we're talking, we're not, not 15th at Buffalo, we're talking about the 15th African-American and I might have the number wrong, but it was definitely in the teens. I'm like, he, not that he has to walk on eggshells, but he has to he has to play both sides. Cause he has to have our voice, but he also has to do his job. And if some if they say, Mr. Allnut, Mark, I need you to do this. And then we're saying we we need this, and they're opposites, there's not I'm not saying there's not a question because you have your values and stuff like that, but at the same time not not even on some i need to feed my family but on some like if i if i do something that is contrary to what they are telling me to do i might be in a position where they will never hire another never black another head athletic director in the state or in the region or whatever the case may be so just with that in mind it's like again to reiterate we're not we're not complaining but there's work that needs to be done, but at the same time, even you talk about the head, there's some work that needs to be done at the top, like above Mr. Allnut, like that we don't have to, now he can feel comfortable. And I'm not speaking for, I don't, I've met him once, but that he can be comfortable in his role, that he knows I can be a black male and act like who I am and feel comfortable. You know what I mean? And obviously like, I'm not trying to speak to him, for him or anything like that. But I think it's point is it's important to point out the situation that he's in and the perspective that he might have on a daily basis, you know, dealing with this kind of climate. I would say um, quickly, I think it's important to note that we're definitely taking steps in the right direction though. Yeah. I mean, like sure. even like yes. this itself, like yeah. this is giving, you know, black student athletes a voice. Just that is like, that is something, you know, that is definitely a good step in the right direction. And, you know, I think it's gonna be very important to see what the um, Stronger Together Task Force does in the future, like to see the longevity of it. And like, if, you know, the things that they have going on are actually implemented in like the, you know, having continuous, you know, working to kind of better, you know, the life for minority student athletes and just things like that. So, I mean, obviously, like you said, there is, it's a moving target. There's a lot of work to be done, but I do want to, you know, take a second to say, you know, we are, there is steps in the right direction. You know what I mean? Like there is definitely, you know, some things that we can definitely look at and say, you know, we, we are taking the right steps. And like both you and Addie said, it's all about that follow through. So mm -hmm. seeing what comes from it, what happens after that. And so I want to ask you guys, like, so what are the small, be it revolutionary, what are the small revolutionary things that we can do today, tomorrow, next year? What are those things that we carry forward? What needs to start happening? What are the things that we want to see in place going forward? Uh, I feel like just more consistency. Like mm -hmm. on the field, coaches, demand for us to be consistent, but why can't they be consistent with us in these conversations? Mm. Consistency is definitely key, and not even in conversations, in action. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, we can, we, can, we can take charge and lead the way and change the stereotype of black athletes or black people in general. We can change that stereotype as long as we take that step and be consistent in doing the right things. I remember what you guys are saying, and I feel like consistency, um, education, educating these coaches, because most of our coaches are 
white males. Educating and representation as well, because also like if we're being coached by like not to be rude, but like white people, then it's like, how are they gonna know like the stereo, like they feed into the stereotypes and they don't really understand our struggles. They don't understand what we go through on a daily basis. But when we see representation in the athletic training room, we see representation just walking through alumni with our APSs, with um, academic people, with our coaches, then that shows, and that also makes you feel comfortable in, in order to have these conversations, in order for people to like be able to talk through things, in order to actually uh, be a change and show a change because if I feel like also because there's not um, enough representation that it's like the majority doesn't really care it's just like oh like maybe one coach is saying pushing for it but out of one coach out of like 10 coaches it's just going to be like overlooked and overheard so consistency and education educating these coaches because a lot of people really don't understand what we go through and not even like it's it is big, but like even just understanding the daily things, the daily basis of like, oh, maybe you shouldn't say, I want to kind of have your hair, or like touching my hair, like uh, just little, like just little uh, things, like little <laughs> microaggression things that like little statements that that probably will make your student athlete feel uncomfortable. But some coaches just generally don't know. So just educating a lot as well and people willing to learn. It's not forcing it, but you willing to want to understand where your player is coming from to also be a better coach. Just on touch on the education part. I think, you know, a lot of issues that we see today with like the uh, social, like, you know, issues that we see going on, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis is misinformation. And I think it's important um, to note, like you touched on like the conversations in the locker room. I think those are important conversations, but I think it's also important to note that those conversations should be like well-informed conversations. You know, I feel like a lot of times, you know, you'll see something on Twitter, jump to a conclusion, say, oh my gosh, this is awful. Comes to find out, you know, there's a lot more facts than, you know, we are initially led on to believe. And I think that's very important that people don't really talk about that enough. It's like, there is, you know, sometimes, there are definitely times, you know, issues where there is no devil's advocate to be played. But then we also do have to understand and accept that there are some times where the conversation can be had that like, you know, there there is the two sides to the story. So I think it's important for just everyone, you know, regardless of what side you're on, are to be well informed of the facts of whatever, you know, situation that is going on to make sure that the conversation can be effective and we can kind of make sure that we're not saying the wrong thing. So I do feel like quickly, especially on social media, like I said, things go out quick and then, you know, people are jump, oh my gosh, this, that, and the third comes out, you know, facts are like pretty much totally different than what the video was saying. And then it's like, well, look now, you know, now we're just arguing for no reason. So I, do, I will just note on that. I think it is important for, you know, everyone to be very informed on, you know, what things are going on to, you know, be an ally and just to make sure those conversations can be beneficial for both parties involved. I just want to say I love y'all. This conversation is so beautiful. <laughs> and I definitely feel that we could go on and do a whole series just on this topic right here. But I do want to interject because I want this to be the start of a conversation. I don't want the whole conversation to happen here. I want people to be this to be the spark that starts this to go other places, to happen in those locker rooms, for it to be from the coaches consistently, something that people are being educated so that teammates aren't performing egregious microaggressions against their <laughs> teammates. This is just the start of those conversations. And so we also wanted to offer supports, places of education as well, and places for people to feel supported. And so here at the university, we do have the Black Student Union, which is doing lots of different initiatives and in trying to take on some of those causes and be a champion and be um, another avenue for our voices to be amplified. And so you can link with the UB Black Council if that is something that anyone, audience as well, would be interested in seeking out, as well as the Center for Leadership and Community Engagement. They have a lot of things going on as well, and you can check out their website with some of the things that they have going on. And I also wanted to mention the Counseling Center. Yes, this brings on a lot for us. They do have um, on staff a couple of uh, therapists that specialize in communities of color and working with individuals with communities of color. And like we were saying, with continuing the conversations, they also have the drop-in conversations where they are allowing students the space to gather and have these conversations. Albeit over Zoom, and I know we tired of Zoom meetings. <laughs> we do have to take a week gift right now until we can get back in person because that human connection is important, but we still have to continue to have these and not let barriers like Zoom meetings stop us 
and keep us from furthering these things because they are so important. Sorry, I also wanted to add one more thing is like, I'm a part of ABIS, which is Advancements of Blacks in Sports, mm -hmm. which is kind of like a bigger platform for this, but it's like coaches from all over, all D1 coaches as well. And it's just like student athletes being able to express themselves and also make a change within their own universities. You're kind of able to see what other universities are doing, what other coaches are doing. And then um, it's also allies are also included and able to join, but it's what you see other universities are doing and also being able to implement it into your school and into your own life, so. And so if people are interested in that, how do they um, get in touch or find out more information about that organization? Um, you can contact me because then I'll link you to yeah. um, the <laughs> head person in charge. I honestly don't know off the top of my head, but if feel free to contact me, message me, and then I'll get you connected. And if all fails, they can Google it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, um, I think Rich got a little question for us. We're about to close this uh, episode out, but Rich, what you got for us today? Um, question of the day today is, do you consider yourself a follower or a leader? And if you would like to say why, you can say why. Do you consider yourself a follower or a leader? Share first with us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I think I consider myself a follower of those ahead of me and a leader of those behind me. Mm. Right? Finger snaps. I mean, I feel like I'm, I could be both in certain, in different situations, like more often not probably a follower because I'm, especially with football, I'm younger in the program, but like with other type of situations, I could be a leader. Like, I don't necessarily talk, but you don't have to be a vocal leader all the time. I think it's good to be both. I think it's good to be both. I feel like the best know how to be both. And I feel like you wouldn't have been in an opportunity to be a leader if you weren't a good follower along the way. I personally think that I was born into a leadership role just because I'm the oldest of six boys. And growing up without uh, a father most of the time, I was put into that role, so I'm kind of used to it. So I feel like I'm more and I'm more comfortable being a leader, but I understand that being a follower is just as important. So, so. I mean, I definitely would say both are important. I'd probably lean more towards like, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say leader. But obviously, you know, to get to lead, you have to kind of have some sort of sense of direction. And that's kind of where the following, I think, comes in. So I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably lean toward leader though. I agree with um, each and every one of you because being both is very important. I feel like I'm a leader just because I'm so vocal, outgoing, I'm just very interactive, but I feel like being a leader personally with me is being a good follower and understanding each and every one of this person and knowing what each and every one needs. So I feel like both go really hand in hand and you have to have both in order to be a great leader. You have to be a great follower to be a great leader because people will not follow somebody who like were in their shoes or who they can't relate to as well. Yeah, I guess piggybacking on everybody, great, great point. Um, I believe I'm a leader, This, especially this stage of where I'm, where I'm at. I think competing as an athlete, I was in kind of the following role because I, I was really trying to figure things out. Um, but I've realized that, you know, man will fail you. You know, it, mm -hmm. it could be anybody. Mm -hmm. So you first, <laughs> first you gotta learn how to lead yourself. You know what I mean? Know how to know when it's time to do what, you know? with yourself and then also don't don't just fall for anything don't just don't subscribe and follow <laughs> any, anything that yeah. you just you know what i mean um so just from that perspective i think that i'm in um you know more on the leadership side right now currently i agree with everybody else i do think that all are important i am a very um kick in the door and then let's all go <laughs> type of person. So I do think that both are important. I have always um, always played in my head the Seneca quote that has been appropriated to other uh, cultures, but it is a Seneca quote. Um, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, go with others. And so I believe in that and, <laughs> and I am glad to bring that energy to this show. 
Absolutely. Any any last thoughts from anybody? Thank you guys for having me on the show. I really Welcome, it. first guest. I know. <laughs> With all that being said, um, thank you for tuning in for sure. We all that we ask is that you comment, like, and subscribe. Um, interact with us. Uh, we love the interaction. Um, we want to. We want this to be a conversation for everybody. Uh, so, be sure to check out our next episode to air it out. <laughs>